You're listening to Work Tape, episode 52. Podcast. It is your host, Isaac Grover, and not Christina today, but Jeff Hall. Yeah, he's back and he's bigger than ever. Not really. You're not really big, dude. You kind of haven't put on weight in a while. Nah. Been uh, trying to watch my figure. Sweet <laughs> season's coming up. And... You, you watch your figure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how you could watch your figure at this point. I have no figure. It's okay. We, we You and I both are, we were pretty skinny growing up. Yeah, I've always, I think I've had a skinny body since uh, since high school, I think. Yeah, I always had, I was always skinny too. I could always eat as much food as I wanted to. Yeah, I was a little chunky in middle school, but then I slimmed down and got on the Atkins diet and, you know, <laughs> went to a total gym and all that and carbs are the enemy, all that nonsense. Yeah, no carbs uh, be, became my enemy the older I got, but. I don't, do you even put on weight? Yeah, if I eat a lot, I do. When I was in um, sober living, I ate nothing but ice cream all day, every day. So that's how I gained some weight. Oh, yeah, I know, me too. <laughs> and I didn't do anything. I just sat around and watched movies all day and ate ice cream. And it's like, wow, I wonder why I'm gaining weight because I'm not doing anything and eating ice cream for all day. I remember doing the same thing. As soon as I graduated college, I was able to like, hey, I could just go buy a carton of ice cream. And I won't put on anything. Yeah, it was so, bad. Yeah, now your uh, metabolism slowing down as you get older. You got to <laughs> kind of watch what you eat. I feel like you and I are depression kept our weight down though. Yeah. <laughs> depression, among other things, has kept me at a slim uh, 130 pounds or whatever I'm at. Well, it's, it, dude, uh, it's cool to have you back. And... Thank you. We, dude, always. I mean, we managed to bring our instruments this time, so. Yeah, it's going to get kind of wacky. You always keeping your chops up, per usual. Mm, yeah, sometimes. I wanted to go a little bit over. We're not prepared as usual. Well, we could go over <laughs> it. You know how I am with artists. If, if I hate someone, well, not like, you know, not personally. I never really hate anyone. Not going to mail like an acid bomb to Bjork or anything. I mean, she probably would find that endearing. Considering her, I mean, she's such a creative woman. I, I feel like what what could insult her? Speaking of Bjork, uh, her ninety was it ninety three record? Um, debut. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the best one. What's the? How does it start again? It's um, got like it's a really groovy bass human line. behavior. It's a, <laughs> if you ever like, get close to a human and human, I can't do it. Oh when, yeah, you know, I used to remember the bass line. I I couldn't. It's cool. It's a cool. Um, it's got a cool driving beat. The instruments remind me of the soundtrack to 007 Goldeneye. The bells and like the weird sounds. It just reminds me of Goldeneye. And I think it's like the same. Or no, her debut was 95, wasn't it? No, 93. You're 93. right. 93. It was okay. It was 90. It was either 92 or 93, but I'm pretty positive it was 93. And that it was, was 93. Right? Now you are more familiar with the Sugar Cubes than I am. Yeah. I, I don't really listen to the Sugar Cubes. Their heyday was the mid to late 80s. They had like two, three albums that came out that were really good. Who were they similar to? Um, oh man, that's hard to say. They're like, I guess you can relate them to Talking Heads a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. That and then, let's see, um, The Cure a little bit. They kind of have that, you know, like alternative 
post-rock sound, post-punk, but not so much like, and they're more uh, like art rock too. We were talking yeah. about art rock the other day. Uh, we were talking about Sonic Youth. Yeah. Talking about the bull in the heather. <laughs> bull in the heather. So you and I both found that song just a bit much. It's kind of weird. It is weird. That whole album is a little bit weird. And then you're talking about a teenage, what was it? Teenage Riot or Daydream Nation. Daydream Nation. Yep. Yeah. Daydream that was Nation. 87. Like, no, not 87. That was is it 88? 88. It is 88, isn't yeah. it? Daydream I think you're Nation, right. It was right after Sister. By the way. Oh, no, it's like a da. Wait. Yeah, it's like Has a dissonant note. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Joni, put it all behind you, too. I forgot how it goes. That's it. That was it. And then that. I can't even do the, <laughs> the harmonies. That song's good. That is a good song. Uh, What was another one? Oh, I like um 100%. I don't remember how that one goes. It's been a while since I've listened to it. Remember that one? It's from, uh, it's from the, remember that one with the beanie on it? Like that. Yeah. Oh, the one, it's got like the hacky sack looking thing on it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never really listened to that album. Was it called Dirty? Yeah. Yeah. I never really gave that one a listen. It's a good song. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, it's totally Nirvana, but of course, Sonic were Nirvana before Nirvana. <laughs> but Nirvana were Sonic Youth plus the Beatles plus Pixies plus Metallica. Yeah, they're a little <laughs> bit of everything. Plus Husker Du and and, uh, and Melvin's. some noise, a lot of noise rock and yep. weird just soundscapes and <laughs> yeah, that's why I like the album uh, Sister because it's got a lot of like the weird like textures and like just kind of noise. It's interesting to listen to how they layered the textures with noise. If that makes any sense. <laughs> no, it does. I mean, it's noise rock, so they're always doing like a ton of different layers at yeah. once. And it's, it sounds kind of annoying at first when you listen to it. It's really cool. It's trying to get that schizophrenia song down. Where's that one from? Sister. It's like the opening track. Mm-hmm. I know it starts with a major seven. See an old friend of mine His sister came over She was out of her mind She said, Jesus It's kind of repetitive, but I like that one What year is that one from? 87 That was the first song I ever heard by Sonic Youth And I was like, they're pretty cool When it comes to Sonic Youth I don't know all the names of their albums I really, (laughs) yeah I I like, um, I I actually had a hard time getting into Sonic Youth because I kind of found them a little bit too uh, abstract. Yeah, that album took me a while to get really into because a lot of the songs on there, like I was saying, a lot of noise in between and a lot of soundscapes. And it, at the time when I first got it, I think I was in like ninth grade, eighth or ninth grade. All right. And I was all into punk rock and stuff. So it was kind of like, this is really artsy. Like, this is kind of <laughs> weird. This is weird, but I like it. Kind of, maybe. Uh. We'll come full circle back to the 1975 because, I mean, they're technically uh, from the, they're technically from the art rock pedigree. Yeah, I consider some of their stuff art rock. And then they're kind of touch base on a lot of stuff, like progressive pop, I guess. Yeah. And then you were telling me about 
you like the fact that it's basically juxtapositional. Yes, I like their uh, lyrical content, how a lot of it's very dark and about depressing kind of things like drug addiction or like depression and isolation, loneliness, that kind of stuff. And basically Elliot Smith. To, but yeah, set to like a pop ballad. It's like a really cool uh, way they do that. And I want to try and incorporate that into songwriting. What was it? The ballad of Big Nothing? Oh, yeah. Because you can do what you want to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one. Ballad of Big Nothing is Though very much like that. it doesn't mean nothing. Yep. Big nothing. Ding, ding, ding. Wait. Yeah, you know how it goes. You, I'm going to refigure out the riff. Oh, yeah. He always does uh, the D to the yeah. uh, yep. or the seventh chord, yeah. Yeah, the dominant seven. That's cool. You know how to play that one. I need to learn that from you. I literally just did that on the spot. Oh, that's really good, man. That's really impressive. I've heard it and I'm like, you know, I've never even tried playing it. So It is in that drop. He likes doing that um, a whole step down or whatever. D, G. He always does it like a half step. There was a whole, it it's is a whole, whole step. step. No, it is a whole step. Yeah. yeah no, you, you know your man better than I do. <laughs> but I always knew that he wasn't like standard E. No, he barely, rarely plays in standard. I think on XO he does. XO he's in standard for most of the songs. Yeah, he was a masterful songwriter. Yes, he was very good. I was trying to um, brush up on some of the covers that I know to try and go busking. And what are some of those? Um, Neil Young, Heart of Gold, uh, Harvest <laughs> oh, Moon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heart of Gold, because I always do Old Man. <laughs> you know Old Man really well. That one's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. Well, I meant to go to the G. Yeah, that's probably the Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one. That one's good. But you like Heart of Gold a lot. I like Heart of Gold. Um, I like Harvest Moon a lot. That one's kind of fun. Also, which turns 50 this year. The album? Yeah, 1972. Really? Harvest. Is it Harvest Moon or Harvest? Harvest. Harvest, okay. <laughs> Something like that. It's Going like a, a swingy type close. of 4-4, four, four, right? Yeah. It's like... Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I like that. I know Elliot Smith does a cover of her and he does like... Is it like finger pick style or something? 
has it down. Oh, so he does go from D to, to major um, seven. D seven. Okay. That was just like instinct. That's pretty much like the whole song. And then he does the G chord. I think I'm flat. I want to see you dance again Because I'm still in love with you On this harvest moon Solid, solid. What's like your all-time favorite song to play on acoustic? Um, I don't know, actually. I don't really have one. I guess I'd actually just be noodling around with the jazz chords, trying to come up with something that works. I like doing that. Like the minor seven shape, I like a lot. Show us one of your standards. Like a jazz standard? Yeah, because I, I hear you play them all the time when you're over at my house. The Autumn Leaves one? Yep. I forgot how it goes. Yeah, I forgot how it goes. Something like that. That's, I like doing those shapes, though. Sorry. Wait, is it? Uh, then major. Yeah. yeah, yeah, minor to major. Got it. It's always a third. Yep. Just a third away. Just a third away from the right place. How long have you been playing guitar for? Um, fifteen years. Really. Uh, like seriously? Seriously. Yeah. Um, probably like 13. 13. But I remember playing a out of tune Fernandez that was my brother's that was missing like the high E and the high B string. And I tried making little like songs on that. And then I played bass before that, but just like punk rock, nothing serious. What kind of bass did you have, man? I had a jazz bass. Oh, you did? I, I was like a spoiled little kid and got our fender jazz bass the american made one what I know. are you serious and i'm playing punk rock on no it when way. i'm like 14. on a jazz bass yes i was 14 years old and i'm playing like crappy like punk rock like what are you nuts not playing on a precision i was i was a little idiot that's that not, didn't even know anything no. i was doing just getting notes and like hold on i wasn't going that far you're you, you could slow down there <laughs> You know, once I kind of figured out what, you know, jazz was, a precision and a music man yeah. and all of these different basses, I had no idea how how much punk bass is just precision. Yeah, it's all about the precision. 
That is so funny. Playing like with a pick, or no, I wasn't playing with a pick. I was playing with my nail, but just all down strokes. Like, wow. It's like, wow, you're playing on a thousand dollar bass, some crappy punk American songs that you made. made what happened to it? I, uh, I sold it. And that's fair. Um, wasn't where your heart was. Yeah. I scratched up the back of it really bad too because I had a bullet belt when I was in the punk rock. And I, well, I mean, it's not punk it. if you don't scratch up your bass. I know you got scratched up and I broke the tuning pegs off. And I had uh, some one of my friends at Guitar Center, he reattached them like backwards though. It was weird how he did it. So you just treated like another object, object. <laughs> yeah. da, da, da. <laughs> You're just an object in my eyes. Yeah, in your eyes. Object, object. <laughs> No, a, a jazz can work in, in punk. It's not like it can't work. I just find it so funny how like it's pretty much nothing but a precision person, you know? Where is that one from? Which one's <laughs> that? Oh, that is uh, The Cure, right? Yeah. He's like naming things. Yeah. F-I-R-I-N-C-I-R-O. I always think that SpongeBob took the C-A-M-P F-I-R-E-S-O-N-G song from that. I always think of Patrick at that line. That's funny. Yeah, that's cool, dude. I didn't even know you had a, a jazz, an American jazz, but it's okay. Even if you did like post-punk, I feel like that would have worked better than a jazz for punk. It's just, I don't know. That's, that's, I never thought about that. Now concerning your journey you started it as a bassist sort of but you kind of went over to just guitar yeah yeah and then that's where i met you and you were like this jazz guitarist playing wait no you're a jazz guitarist working at a gas station and you were listening to Kamir, right yes the same album that has yep yeah well nobody searches nobody cares somehow yeah yep when Remember the that. that you wasted. And then we talked about television. <laughs> yep. Uh, Marky Moon. And. It's like. Damn, it's hard to play that. Okay, I didn't mess that up that time. <laughs> and does that major seven chord? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Back to Yeah. Concerning Tom Verlaine, he's one of your favorites, right? Yeah. Not, not like, well, of all time, though, right? I mean, he's... He's definitely good. I like his solos. They're like more improvised and like sloppy. Not sloppy, but Not like, really, no. Not that sloppy. They're uh, just more improvised and you can 
tell he knows his scales really well, which is what I like. Like in uh in Venus. Yeah. He's good at riffs too. And you know days, don't you? Yeah, that, that well was cool. it. So it's just up on the high hills. It basically just sounds like America. And the E. Then it. Yeah. That song's cool. That's a that's a really good song. That's one with uh Foxhole, Foxhole, right? That's the same album? Yeah, I think so. Foxhole. Adventure? Yeah, Adventure. 78, yes. It is eight. Yeah. And then Marky Moon was 77. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listening to that record, I always think it's like from 73. It does sound kind of older. It does. You know, it's a lot like Starfish from the church. I always think that album's like from 85 or 84. Sometimes I feel like bad for Starfish because that album came out like at the tail end before Nirvana would, you know, kind of hit the scene. So it's kind of weird. I feel like the church never really got like, well, they did uh, release some stuff like Remote Luxury. Yeah. I know you like that. That one's good. I like Remote Luxury. Priest equals Aura. Yep. Skin and Heart. Oh, Skins and Heart is a really good album. I like that fighter pilot Korean War. Yeah, At but home, I, they think we must <laughs> be fools, but it's emptiness that moves. But I also kind of feel like Starfish didn't really get much of a time to shine because I mean that was released right after Joshua Tree, so that was like yeah. a year after. And then Nirvana basically comes out of the gate with Bleach. Yeah, and so I feel like it's like grunge era and all these guys, these sloppy guys with like loud guitars and messy playing and a little bit less melodic. That kind of became the alternative scene. So I, I kind of feel like Starfish. I, I wasn't around at that time. I just kind of imagined what it was like to have like maybe one year barely of relevancy with bands like Nirvana. Basically, their alternative and their underground sound, it kind of overrode other alternative underground sounds in the process. Hmm. I really feel like a lot of underground bands never really got that big of attention. Despite the fact that Nirvana became the poster child of alternative, but there was like a whole world of alternative. The Wipers and all them. And I love the Wipers. Um, was that other band? That band did was it this the 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 sound the sound? Oh, I like the sound. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them get like like you're saying they get kind of cast away like underneath the radar because which sucks. I mean, but it's always cool for us because then we get to discover it and listen to it and maybe take some inspiration from it. Cool. You want to go over uh, some 90s ones more? The next one? Yeah, I'm down. I know you like Pumpkins and Radiohead. And you also like The Grays, just like me. And Oasis. And all of these other Britpop bands that we had stuff to say. In fact, do you know anything about Jeff Buckley? I know like Mitch totally talked about them. And I never thought of bringing up Jeff Buckley. But I don't know if you know any of his songs off the top no. of your head. Okay. You could probably figure them out better than I can. <laughs> you got a better ear than me. So The closest thing to Jeff Buckley I know is Coldplay. Yeah. 
no, but that's cool, dude. That wraps up today's episode. So, Jeff, you know, you're going to be back the next episode and uh, looking forward to uh, listening to more music from you. Thank you for having me. Yes. That is episode 52. We'll be back with you next week. Jeff, talk with you later and all of you. Bye. Bye, guys.